we put our heads together to both reimagine and lift the bar on what a modern motocross helmet should be. Opt for the highest level of modern technology and energy dispersion with the Fly Racing Formula Helmet. Designed for an elevated defense against a wider range of real-world impact scenarios. Globally engineered with the most advanced materials and technologies available. Outfit yourself with proven technology, lightweight performance, and elevated impact management with the Fly Racing Formula Helmet. Hey everybody, this is Michael Antonovich with this week's episode of the Fly Racing Swap Moto Podcast on Swap Moto Live. Uh, right now sitting in the press box at the Arlington Supercross here at AT&T Stadium and joining me is Mike Mewey from Feld Motorsports. Mike is the Senior Director of Supercross Operations for the entire series, so a lot of the things that you see go on on Saturday night are Mike's doing from Monday through Friday. Uh, got to spend some time with them in Tampa last week down at their office uh, in Florida. So we have a little bit better idea of what they do. Um, there's so much stuff that goes into a race that it's it's good to finally hear this stuff. We only typically care about what happens with the racers, but what goes into the show. So that's why we're going to talk to Mike this week. There's a lot of things that Feld has done in the last few years, especially this year that we learned last week that I think a lot of people would be eager to hear about. So, Mike, give me a quick rundown for you. Um, how did you get into this position in the first place? So it's a it's a long story. Uh, I'll give you the cliff notes. So um, I actually started about 14 years ago working for the company that produced the banners. Um, from there, I started working the outdoor series, hanging the banners, um, and then actually met Dave Prater, who's my my boss now, uh, that hired me as the event manager. I was the event manager for Supercross for about four years, uh, then managed our arena cross program during the inception of the Road to Supercross. Uh, now I've been back over on Supercross for the past four years so literally from boots on the ground guy to executive level something like that yep that's not bad hey that's good that's how you learn you gotta learn from the inside out you know um so with everything that's gone on to go from the arena cross to supercross you guys did a lot of trial and error stuff in the arena cross series that you got to bring in here for you that was probably a really nice way to test things out without a lot of risk yeah, yeah. No, I think uh, the Arena Cross platform was awesome for us and, um, you know, the ability to try things that maybe we wouldn't want to try at this level. Um, so we did we did some testing there. Obviously, the Supercross Futures program was born as a result of, of the Arena Cross program. Um, I think a lot of what we learned over there was carried over into the Futures program, um, and we've seen a lot of success f- from that. You know. um, with 2020? What was the big initiative for Feld when you guys were coming into this year? Um, I mean, just for 2020, I, I guess I would paint it a little bit bigger. Really, Feld's initiative for the sport of Supercross is to grow it. Um, that is 100% our company's focus is, is how do we make Supercross a main tre- mainstream sport. So uh, Kenneth Feld actually said it best. He wants to wake up in the morning, uh, open you know Wall Street Journal, New York Times, something like that, and see the last night's winner. Um, so that's really where our focus is, is how do we make it the best prospect property that we possibly can um so that's really our focus i I would say you know from a 2020 perspective um everything that we've done in the fan fest and uh you know the lounge area out there is all built and designed around that bigger picture let's take supercross mainstream where it needs to be uh and in turn we feel that by doing that the benefits are really getting kids on motorcycles um that's what we all need that's what we're all here for um we all know, uh, I think you ride 
right? Oh, yeah. I assume. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So as do I. Um, it's it's a sport that once you get a taste of it, you're absolutely hooked for life. Um, and that's really where a lot of our focuses have been. Um, the Fan Fest was, was really for the 2020 initiative, what we focused on uh, and making that bigger and better um, than it's ever been before. Uh, we did some fan surveys and a lot of us told them, you know, they really want more interaction with the athletes and the stars. Um, so we introduced the Ride of Fame where, you know, they have the opportunity to see their, their favorite riders up close and personal as they're heading out to the track. Um, we wanted to do it that way so that, you know, it's as little inconvenience um, on the riders, and not that it's an inconvenience, but they have a busy day, um, on the riders as possible while also giving the fans what they're looking for. Um, so that was a benefit. We've partnered with Stasic. Um, you know, that's another initiative that's really important to us and getting kids on motorcycles. Once, once they kind of try the Stasic bike and, and its electric capabilities, uh, hopes is they go purchase one of those. Down the road, they purchase a, uh, you know, a motorcycle and eventually come up through the Supercross future ranks and become fans of Supercross in the long run. Um, so that's really where a lot of our, our focus lies right now. The pit party element of it, the fan fest, that's a huge thing. I think that maybe a lot of us take for granted because for so long, I mean, it's probably been 15 years now, maybe longer, that you could go to the race 12 o'clock, 1230, go into the pits, hang out. It didn't used to be that way. And in most sports, it's not that way at all. You're very lucky if you get to see a professional athlete outside of the arena. Mm -hmm. Uh, You guys have it. The way that the sport has it as a whole, you know, you get to go get autographs in the pits. And, yeah, there is a tight time window, but the fact that you get to go interact with these guys and take selfies, you're not taking a selfie with LeBron James two hours before he goes and plays. Right. Yeah. Uh, no, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, Supercross is unique. And I, I believe that's why Supercross has such a core fan base mm-hmm. um, is because you do get that interaction with the rider um and that's what's even kind of ironic about you know some of the polling that we did they want more of it um you know so obviously we want to try try to provide the fans with what they want but um there's no other professional sport that i can think of where you get to actually physically see them working on the bikes and you get to see the riders kind of mingling throughout the crowd and you get to see all of that in real time you know it's it's cool Without paying an arm and a leg. Because you can, like, you can buy those experiences or you have to know somebody to go get, like, a paddock pass at yep. F1 or at MotoGP. But those opportunities are few and far between, and you're not going to get the interaction time that you get here. Yep. Uh, you're 100% right. I've, uh, I've been to some significant motorsports events um, very recently, and I had some pretty good passes that I don't think can even be purchased. And even that, I barely saw the, you know, the, the athletes and the stars. So, um, you know, we're, we're really proud of Supercross for having that ability to, to give the fans that kind of interaction. Mm-hmm. Um, for people that do maybe just show up at 7 o'clock, you guys have gotten it down to where we know what's going to happen at what time. You know, every week we see the AMA schedule that gets on the website, and it's almost to the, to the second how tight you guys have the program down. If a practice says it's going to start at this time, it does start at that time. That is another big responsibility that lies on you as an operator of the entire thing, not just what happens on the track. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's important. I mean, people pay to come to our races. They pay to have – there's a certain level of expectation that they have when they come to a professional sporting event. Um, And with that is they want to see bikes on track and they want to know when their rider is going to be there. So if you're kind of loose on the schedule and – and all over the place, and they miss the rider, you're going to have some upset people, and to us, that's not acceptable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have to be able to, to stick to a schedule. Um, that's the afternoon qualifying. The night 
the nighttime is um, is the same. It's a little bit more intense because of the television broadcast. So, um, you know, we have almost two shows happening at once. You have the live event, everybody in the stadium, the 60,000 fans uh, that paid to come see it. Plus, you have the, the consumer at home um, that, that wants to watch the race. We have to keep the people in the stadium entertained, and we want to keep the people at home entertained. So it's a constant uh, conversation throughout the week with our TV partners uh, to make sure that whatever they have in their show um, aligns with our time in, in the live event so that you don't have um, you know, downtime with nothing happening. We mm-hmm. always have to have something going on to keep people entertained. Um, so you'll see you know, the AMA sends out the schedule on, on Wednesdays, um, it's adjusted from from what it was even a day before, mm-hmm. uh, just because after TV puts together their kind of their final format, we adjust the show accordingly so that we can get in everything that we need to. Gotcha. So we call it a, a dance, so to speak. And so. pretty much, I mean, there's a different formula that you guys have for different rounds. So it's not it's a drastic difference. It's like, hey, we have one of a handful of options. This yep. is the one we need to do for this. Maybe the KTM kids are racing, or maybe it's a triple crown, or maybe there's only two practice groups like a and b group instead of a c yep. and you guys just alter around to that yeah mostly uh for the most part um you know it, it'll change a couple minutes in between different races so tv for example might have a three or four minute uh window that they need um mm-hmm. to fit in a special feature um so they adjust the format between that race for that week um and we adjust accordingly in the live event um so you know it kind of goes both ways how many people do you guys have working for Feld? Because, like, we're setting up here in the press box right now. There's, I think, three, four pieces of heavy equipment out there, a dozen guys out there running around. But for the entire show, I mean, setting up tough blocks, moving in and out, it's got to be probably close to, like, over 50, maybe close to 100? No, um, not not even. Oh, really? Um, okay. Yeah, th- that's actually that's a kind of difficult question. I get asked a lot to answer. Um, but the guys that set up all of the structures on the floor – uh, you know, the LEDs, um, the Dirtworks guys that build the track. Uh, we're about 24 people, 25, okay. um, that are here all week. But then it, each day as the week goes on from the start of the build Tuesday, it kind of grows and swells when you when you take into account all of the AMA staff, all of the TV staff, everybody. We're around about 175 Total um, come race day. Yeah. So that's, you know, there's uh, like 70 uh, TV folks. You got the AMA comes in with 20 and, you know, so uh, it grows as the week goes on. To hear that number be that big makes how well organized it is even more impressive because like try to get five people on schedule at the same time sometimes so you have that many people know hey you have to be at this point that's impressive yeah and all of the groups work together seamlessly Mm -hmm. um you know there's there's really a camaraderie when you're on the road like this and you're doing something uh you know 17 weeks in a row um everybody understands the importance everybody here is a fan of the sport um so everyone's focus is making it as good as it possibly can be and kind of when you have that mix it's it's beneficial to all parties because everybody chips in to make sure the job gets done first and foremost Mm -hmm. all right logistics uh when we were down at feld last week you know there's a big board in the office room that shows like hey this is what we do this is where trucks are at Mm. felt has everything going on from simultaneous monster jam tours to disney on eyes to marvel stuff for you guys just on Supercross, how many tractor trailers are there running around at any point in time? And, like, can you just give me some of the data that goes into a round? Yeah, so... Because um, I'm sure you have it memorized. 
Yeah, I don't actually. The the mileage I was trying to think in my head, but I can get back to you on that. Mileage um, were good, but y- just like yeah. So there, we have eighteen tractor trailers that haul everything from the tough blocks uh, to the uh, managers' towers, finish lines, the banners, everything that you see out there um, fits on one of those eighteen trucks. Uh, that includes two merchandise trucks um, that carry around the T-shirts and all of that equipment. Uh, and two television trucks. I'm sorry, three television trucks. Um, so everything else that's not any of those five is is everything that's out on the floor. Um, we have, depending on the the drive, um, when we're on the West Coast, for the most part, it's a single driver per per um, truck. But when we have the long hauls, like San Diego to Tampa or even Tampa to here, uh, we have two drivers so that they run throughout the night. Um, everything is loaded uh, Sunday night immediately after the event or uh, Saturday night immediately after the event unless we have Supercross Futures mm-hmm. um, and they hit the road normally by about 4 to 6 a.m. depending on which truck it is. Uh, they arrive in the venue anywhere from Monday to Tuesday morning. Um, so it's a pretty quick turnaround. Um, obviously, uh, we use a third party to haul the trucks, so that way they have people stationed in different areas. If there's ever a breakdown, they can have another uh, unit come in, pick it up, and keep it on the road um, just for redundancy. Mm-hmm. Uh, heavy equipment. We always see every Saturday there's always like one plug for a local Caterpillar dealer or something like that or John Deere, whatever it could be that week. For you guys, how is it to have partners in the different locales? Because it would be impossible to take some of that heavy equipment around. Yeah. Uh, so we use about 14 pieces of equipment each week when you start counting the telehandlers in here and out in the pits. And, you know, now with Stasic and we've done learn to rides and things like that. Um, you know, they, they have a bunch of equipment out there, too. Um, it's key. There's no way we could haul some of the loaders that we need to get out of here, the excavators, things like that, from city to city. So CAT has been a great partner um, of ours over the years that, that we appreciate. Their full support staff um, comes to Supercross and, and assists with anything that we need. Um, honestly, I mean, obviously we couldn't do it without them. It would take a long time with the shovel out there, you know. <laughs> so. um, for all that, like we're looking at this track right now, what was the build time on this one? Uh, so they started building Tuesday morning. Um, everybody got into town Monday afternoon, um, you know, got the afternoon off, and then started build Tuesday morning. Uh, we build Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Friday, as you know, is press day. Uh, so our goal is by Thursday when everyone leaves the, the stadium, uh, we're 100% race ready. Um, you know, obviously there's some tightening up and cleaning up that happens on Friday, um, but, you know, everything is, is pretty much done in that three-day period gotcha. something that you guys pointed out last week and this is from you looking at the section before the finish line uh that was inspired by st louis and i think it was 2007 mm-hmm. um and obviously it's a little bit modified now but you guys this year the tracks have been great and that's because you've gone back and watched races from past years and seen hey this element works or this doesn't work and then you've used that for the dirtworks construction crew to kind of get some input on the tracks so can you explain in a little bit more detail how this whole process came to be? Yeah, so um, kind of what I was mentioning uh, last week was um, a few years ago we went back and, and looked at historical tracks and looked at them from a lot of different factors, safety first and foremost, um, and then you know also raceability, what worked, what didn't, um, and kind of developed a, a numbering system on, you know, these tracks had great pass, passing, um, you know, very safe, good, that's a five. Uh, these tracks were good, but not great, four, three, two, 
one. Um, and then came up with some common denominators on what makes sense. Um, so long rhythm lanes uh, with big bowl turns made sense, enter the nets. Um, we kind of had moved away from the taller bowl turns to provide better fan viewing and, and things, um, you know it's affecting the racing we need to adjust so um you know all of those factors kind of from an analytical standpoint came out of looking at those maps um dirtworks is the best in the business at what they do um so with that though that research findings uh those research findings um came to them and said listen this is kind of the direction that we want to head with the tracks this year um they took it ran with it and and designed um some of the best over the past three years i, I guess i'm a little bit biased but oh, i would agree um, with that yeah. you know and and i think we're continuing to evolve on that um we are working with uh some outside agencies that are providing a little bit more in terms of data um that you know eventually i think we had talked about would like to roll out into further track builds um, because honestly data you, data doesn't lie mm-hmm. um, so the more of that that we can cultivate the better that we're going to be able to make the tracks um, so you know there, there's a lot more than just yeah we'll put this here and that there and see how it works and hope for the best um, really taking an analytical approach to it because that when you guys release the tracks whenever it could be maybe it's in the summer or maybe it's October whenever it is before the first race of the year that's like one of the most few things that we put out. And we, like me as a race fan, I eagerly anticipate it because I'm looking at where the passes are going to be, but then where I can take photos. And I can understand that it would probably be hard year after year after year to come up with something new in every different market and then wondering, like, oh, I hope this works. Mm-hmm. The fact that you guys know these sections or this kind of layout is what's going to provide the best racing. And we've seen that through these first six, seven rounds. Yeah. And, and uh, again, I, I don't, I shouldn't take all the credit for it. Um, it's really Alex and the Dirtworks crew that, that works really hard. I mean, um, they're some of the most passionate people about it. I mean, you have to, to, to work the hours that they do. Um, but you know, it's, it's a collective group that kind of sits down and discusses, um, Hey, this worked well last, last time we did it. Um, what if we incorporated it into this section of this track that we already have designed cause it worked well there com- combined with this, you know, this layout, I think it would be good. Um, so, you know, we're constantly pulling things from the past. Um, always try to, to ask questions from people, um, outside of, you know, I guess the circle quote unquote, the, uh, of people that normally look at them. Um, you know, we've reached out to past riders to get input. Um, we do that almost every year, uh, in advance of, of releasing them. Um, you know, we really ask them, um, you know, what's safe, uh, in your opinion, you, I don't ride at that level. They're the only people that can tell us, you know, what, what, what's safe and uh, where, are you, where do you see passing opportunities or where can we make passing opportunities for better racing. Um, so, you know, it's kind of a multi-step process and we include everybody that we can that, you know, can give us some advice on them. That's another thing that you guys have really gone above and beyond on doing these last few years is listening to the past generation of riders, but the current generation too. Um, I think after last year, after the whole San Diego incident, that really was the dropping of the curtain. Like, hey, we can all talk now. There's no disconnect between what happens in the pits and then what happens at the executive level in here. You guys have all come together, and, and we've already seen a lot of benefit from that. Was that an initiative that you guys always wanted to do, or was it kind of like, hey, we really have to take advantage of this opportunity now? Um, no, I, I think it's um, 
I think it's something that we've always wanted to do. Um, I, I, I can at least talk for myself, but I, I, I think I'm speaking on behalf of the company that like we're we're open. Um, you know, we we really feel that uh, you know. It, conversation is good and us as a sport um meaning not just feld but all of the manufacturers all of the the media um all of the riders everybody are the only you know the, the collective group that's going to build supercross into that mainstream platform that it needs to be um is by working together you know rising tide lifts all ships mm-hmm. um so i think um you know while that was an unfortunate an unfortunate incident it did open doors um that that um you know i think in the long term have benefited everybody um you know we need to have more conversation and and transparency so that people understand you know really where supercross is heading and what we're doing so because i think that was a big complaint with the prior generation that it would seem like people would say something and then it would just kind of fall on uh just kind of yeah 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 we'll get to it and then it would never change but you guys have made a and you dave prater a lot of people at feld the fim the ama have all come into this thing and shown like we want to make this better mm-hmm. because we know that if you guys are happy then it makes the racing better which makes everything better mm-hmm. so yeah there's been a lot of improvement in the last two years on that and i know there's more even conversations like this, it shows this is what goes into making these races happen instead of just showing up on Saturday, opening up the pit gates, and then sending everybody out. Yeah, no, and, and that's – I don't think that's beneficial to anybody to, to you know – To hide it. it. Right, to hide it. I mean, um, obviously, like, at the end of the day, somebody has to make a decision, and somebody's not going to like the decision that's made. But um, at least have an open conversation about why that decision's made is is important, you know, so that um, – so that everybody understands and um you know whether they agree with it with whatever the specific decision is or not uh, at least they have the opportunity to be heard and understood can you take me i mean as much as you can say without kind of getting into the weeds here when it's time to make a big decision as a company how much goes into this and how much like before and after thought is it and input that comes in because it never seems like it's like a knee-jerk reaction to something it's pretty well planned out and whatever you guys do, there's always a big criticism one way or another. It could all be perfect, but there's still going to be something there. So then how do you guys address that stuff too and then keep that in mind as you go on to the next thing? Yeah, I mean, obviously we hear the criticism. Um, and not all know. bad. Sometimes I, you have to learn from it. Yeah, yeah, no, there's constructive criticism. And, and you know, the thing is, is um, sometimes people may not always like change, but it can be for the better of the, of the series and the overall. Um, we don't make decisions in vacuums. Um, obviously, depending on, um, you know, what the, the change is, uh, depends on the level that it needs to go to within our organization. Um, you know, when it comes to, uh, I'll use, um, you know, the triple crown format since we're here in Cowboy Stadium. That was the result of a couple of years of conversations with race teams on, you know, listen, we, we want to introduce something new into the series that um, is, uh, you know, a breath of fresh air. Um, what are your thoughts? And we, we threw out a ton of different format options um, and, and finally kind of landed on, you know what, this is what we want to try, this is what we're going to do, and, and we did it. So, um, But, you know, depending on what the decision is, we try to involve all parties that would be affected before making it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Triple Crown was a huge 
change because we had been the same sport pretty much for decades. So what was the initiative to come behind that? And is that the last big thing we'll see, or is this like one of many that we should expect over the next five years maybe? Um, I wouldn't say it's the uh, it's uh, one of many that we should expect over the years, but, um, you know, it is part of, of uh, growing as a sport is, is making changes um, for what we feel is the better. Um, and, you know, a lot of the fan we've, been doing a lot of fan surveys and and um, getting feedback on different things, and one of them was that you know we want to see the 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 athletes, the star athletes on the track more. Well, um, you know we we wouldn't want to do something like a triple crown at all 16 rounds, but it does make sense to kind of break up the season and and add some excitement into it. Um, so you know that that's really where that kind of came from. It was a significant change, but we felt it was a change that's for the good. Um, not to say that we have anything in a pipeline, but you know we would like to explore other format options down the road, other points formats down the road. Um, you know we're always we try to be innovative and we always try to think of of new things that would make the series more exciting and 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 whatever. So um, you know there's a ton of ideas out there it's just a matter of you know does everybody feel it's best for the sport if they do then we'll enact it if they don't and it requires more conversation then you know we're not going to rush into anything what's up this is justin barsha of the monster energy yamaha team and i trust the rye helmet i know that every helmet is handcrafted in japan and that the people who work at Arai are obsessed with building the best helmet they can possibly can staying safe is a priority for me and this is why i choose Arai helmets Hey guys, Hunter Lawrence here. Lately I've been spending a whole lot of time at the mountain bike trails in the local area on my intense primer and the thing's badass. For how good it is going up the hill, it's uh, amazing coming down the hill. It's uh, comfortable, nimble and it doesn't feel uh, like you're going to go over the bars every five seconds. Uh, all their bikes in their lineup are awesome. So yeah, you're ready to get serious about training on a cross country bike or crushing lap times at your local trails or if you want to go a bit further longer and faster they they just brought out a new taser e-bike which is uh, yeah everyone's given the double thumbs up on so head down to your local intense dealer or, or purchase uh, directly at intensecycles.com check it out guys what's up this is christian craig as a motocross racer being in top physical shape is a must and my favorite way to train is cycling and whether it's road biking or mountain biking, I rely on Roy Cyclery to keep my bikes in perfect running order. Roy Cyclery has been servicing Old Town Upland, California since 1962. Mention the Swap Moto Life podcast for additional discounts in the shop. Hey, what's up guys? Malcolm Stewart. Worst Connection has been building the best aluminum parts in the motocross for the last 30 years. From the awesome ProLaunch start device and their original adjustable clutch perch assemblies, I am proud to use it on my Motoconcept Honda. Check them out at WorksConnection.com. What's up Swap Moto fans? The Toyota Vescondido Action Sports team supports some of the biggest racers in the sport, like Aaron Plessinger, Shane McElrath, Dean Wilson, Axel Hodges, Colt Nichols, Brian Deegan, and more. With over two decades of supporting racers, we've become known as the place to buy a Toyota truck in Southern California. Toyota Escondido is a proud sponsor of the Swap Moto Live Show, and all you have to do to get the best deal on a quality Toyota truck is mention the show and tell them you want the Action Sports Special. Check us out online at toyotaescondido.com for more. 
the FIM thing we always hear about. What is the requirement of the FIM being part of Supercross? Yeah. So, I mean, the FIM is um, obviously the world championship, um, and which what that would gives us the world championship moniker um we do have aspirations to take supercross international again um it is something that we where we feel there is growth for the series um, looking at our social engagement and um you know our television uh viewership um we have a lot of international interest in the sport mm-hmm. um you know so uh working with the fim uh, obviously gives us the world championship status and you know the ability to eventually at some point transition into a global sport we're not shy about saying we'd like to go international but we are going to stay at 17 events uh, we're not um currently looking to add any more races to to the roster um for the riders we feel that they're at their max now um so unless there's dates that opened up we would not be looking to to expand so the other thing is with cramming 17 races in 18 weeks is a logistics thing and there was a lot of blowback this year of anaheim to st louis to anaheim can you explain to people from a feld standpoint why you guys did that yeah um obviously i mentioned earlier we have 18 trucks so for me it's not exciting to go st louis and back um you know it's logistically challenging in that time of year it's weather um that's not our number one uh it wasn't our number one option um, the reason for it, uh, we played in, in uh, Glendale week two uh, in 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, had the Cardinals made the playoffs, uh, we would have had to switch our date uh, to uh, Easter weekend. Um, obviously, that's not ideal. Uh, we want riders and ourselves to be home with family on that. But, um, you know, that was a gamble we were willing to take uh, based on the Cardinals. Um the venue was okay with it at the time this coming year they said listen guys i I don't think we should bet against our team which is understandable Mm -hmm. um so we weren't able to play that market we do like to move away from southern california to give give the market a little bit of a break uh and also to expose uh, new crowd new fans um so the second week the only availability um outside of the Southern California area was in St. Louis. Um, you know, if you think around to all of the different stadiums in the Southwest, we play most of them. Um, so that's how kind of St. Louis came onto the schedule. And, um, you know, it, it was it ideal um, from a transportation perspective? No, uh, it wasn't, but it was a decision, one of those ones that just had to be made, um, you know, so. St. Louis coming back um, does put a round like Nashville out because, like you said, you're only going to do 17 races in a year. How do you guys determine where you're going to go? So um, as we kind of talked about, um, staying with 17 rounds um, doesn't give us the opportunity so much to expose the sport from a live event perspective to a lot of um, you know different people, different cities. Uh, so we've tried over the recent years to go to different cities with with um you know a few of the a few of the dates so um you know you reference nashville and st louis or tampa coming on board or best example is what we've been doing with east rutherford and foxborough um it gives us the ability to allow those fans that may not travel as far the ability to see supercross uh when it's nearby them um and our belief is that that grows the fan base um because you know they had 
exposed to it. I, I'm sure you've taken people to Supercross for the first time, and they're almost instantly become fans because mm -hmm. it's so exciting. And um, you know, that's really our goal is to move to some of these different cities, expose new fans, grow our our fan base. And I think that's a big thing too um, that a lot of people listening to this might be surprised by. This is not an, a push to become a TV only thing. I think there's a lot of other sports, and they kind of try to get away from the fan interaction. As long as they have a good TV package and they know they can broadcast in millions of homes, they're fine. You guys want people here. They have to see this thing for themselves. They have to feel the fireworks from the opening ceremonies. They need to go see the bikes. If they're a diehard race fan, they need to smell like race gas or like muffler pack and get burnt off first thing in the morning. You guys want people here, and that's a huge push instead of it just being like, yeah, yeah, catch it on NBC when you can. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, the live event is is core to Supercross, in, in our opinion. And, you know, um, I think anybody that's been to a live event and watched it on TV can attest to the fact that it's not the same when you see it on TV. What these guys are, are able to do on those dirt bikes is, is unreal. Um, you know, so it's it's core to the business to make sure that people, um, you know, come to the events and see it and witness it. And um, otherwise, uh, I wouldn't need uh, this giant stadium. We could go somewhere else and do this. <laughs> uh, you guys, I'm sure, in your position, you've brought a lot of people to races before. So when you do bring in, you know, maybe a new client or a new potential sponsor, what are their first impressions when they see this? Because for some of us, we don't see the forest for the trees. We're just like, yeah, 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 it's whatever. But for some people, this is unbelievable. Mm -hmm. I show people on airplanes what I go to every Saturday, and they trip out. Yeah, it's um, it, it, it's exactly what you just said. Um, whenever we bring somebody to it, it normally it's shock and awe, and they have no idea. Um, you know, it, it. I think um, for me at least, I, I sometimes take it for granted what we do every weekend. But when you really start talking about, um, you know, the details and logistics that go into it and, um, you know, even the, the gap on the triples and, um, which some of the riders will say is the, is one of the easiest on the track. The reality of it is when you're saying somebody's jumping 35 feet in the air and 70 foot in distance, um, and they're doing that over and over, it's, it's amazing to, to people. So, um, you know, I, I don't, I can't remember a single time that I took a person that's never been to a supercross uh, on a track walk or explanation and showed them the event that they weren't, they didn't walk away amazed, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, the, the racing this year has been incredible. Um, and that's because, you know, we have, I think it's like 17 something past champions that are all in the 450 class. So many good young guys coming up in the 250 class. The tracks have been great. Weather has been really in our favor at those open-air stadiums. So that's been awesome as a fan. I think the one thing, though, that a lot of people have asked is, like, hey, is this growing? Like, is this growing at the rate that it should be? For how good this is for us, are there enough people outside of the sport taking notice? From your guys' perspective, have you seen a more of an influence and an increase in reception these last few years, or has it just kind of been steady progress because it seems like a lot of stuff is flattened off nascar's flattened off in the nfl went through a like a lull are you guys seeing where like maybe we might be a little less susceptible to that yeah um actually i, I think that supercross is um is a growing brand our numbers um as i alluded to before on the broadcast and and of course live event have consistently been growing um ridership um you know while we don't have a ton of history in Supercross Futures, about four years, but there's a lot of, um, you know, riders coming and racing it every single weekend. They're, you know, 700-plus entries. So um, 
Yeah, I would say that Supercross is um, is an up and coming and growing brand, and it's um, really uh, it's it's positioned well for the future just by nature. It's a sport that can be taken taken in bite-sized doses so um you know you're not stuck sitting watching a race that's hours long you're watching bits and pieces of races that are fast exciting and and um you know i think that's key for today's consumer is that you know they don't um I mean, I'll just be honest, they don't have the tension span that they did mm-hmm. years ago. And, and, and this, this new age consumer is, is, you know, it really fits into their lifestyle well. One thing that I have to give you guys a lot of uh, props for is the fact that Feld is an entertainment company. I mean, there, there's no bones about that. Disney on Ice, Monster Jam is a show. It's a competition show, but it's still a show. All that other stuff. You guys know that this is a gnarly athletic competition, mm-hmm. and you've never tried to make it anything more than it is. So there's no best trick thing. There's nothing to like try to woo anybody else. It's just, hey, this is pure racing. Mm-hmm. And so I have to give you guys a lot of respect for that because I think that at some point in time, if another company to that level would want to tinker with it and kind of like, oh, no, no, let's make it more of a show, you guys let the athletes be the show. Yeah, no, you're you're 100% right. It's a race first. Um, Of course, we like to include show elements. Um, That's what makes it exciting. That's what's made Supercross what it is. But at the end of the day, the racing is what makes it great. Um, So we'll never steer away from that. Um, It is a sport. It is, we feel, um, the most elite sport in the world. And, um, you know, it's... it's, um, it's really it's an exciting time to be a part of Supercross because um, you can kind of see it right on that cusp. Mm-hmm. You know? And you being a guy that's been at this for a while, I mean, you probably rode through the 90s and everything, right? Yeah, not you, not fast, but Not yes. fast, but you rode. <laughs> so you're familiar with the sport. Yeah. So we saw the whole MC, RC, MIG, like mm-hmm. all those stars. And this is a conversation that we kind of had last week. We have that again. Yeah, we had it with James and Ryan and Chad and, you know, RV and Dungey and all that. But – we have it right now where there's so many guys that are all playing on social media and are all very available and, and going into it. That's going to be another thing for you guys to do, as you've said, is to try to sell the next superstar. Mm-hmm. What is the plan for that? Yeah, so, I mean, I think, um, you know, that's a lot of the purpose of our futures program as well um, is to develop these guys as stars. So um, one thing, and I guess other stick and ball sports, but specifically Supercross, um, one of the struggles is is they always when they're seen they always have their helmet on and they always have gear on and um, really trying to take the helmet off and um, let the fan um, engage with who what that person's personality is mm-hmm. um, and, and you know we can't force them to be stars um, you know it's it's everybody's going to connect with the personality that that they like the most and and you know that's what makes it exciting and you know Supercross is a is a um, it's not a team sport, um, so you know it's it's gives everybody. There's so many different personalities out there. As long as we show the fans what their personalities are, they're going to connect with that specific fan one way or the other. And um, you know, I had mentioned at the beginning there, the futures program, really trying to make those kids become stars as they start, so that you know who they are and where they came from as they start coming through the ranks, and they get more comfortable on microphone interviews, television, things like that before they get into you know the big show. The Supercross Futures thing, I think that, like, pardon me being <coughs> so frank about this, but I think when you guys first announced it, some very big skeptics were like, yeah, it's just a money grab. 
but you guys have added a lot to it. You know, A, there's the emotional element of like everybody wants to on Saturday night think about what it would be like to ride that track on Sunday. So you fulfill that opportunity. Like you just said, you get all these young kids familiar with everything that's going on. You get them to learn how to ride the supercross tracks. And then you just continually build. So it's more, there's way, way more to it than just a, hey, come play, come race, and then get out the door. Yeah. No, that was always our goal with Futures Out, honestly, is um, it, it kind of started back with the road to Supercross. And, you know, it eventually morphed into Futures because it made more sense. But um, we really had always kind of wanted a platform in order to be able to um teach these kids what it's like to be a professional before you get here there's a lot that goes into being a professional athlete um and and you know as as young as our riders are when they start riding they're already doing some type of media um so you know perfect example we we invited uh the ama national champions uh from last year's supercross futures to our media sessions before they go pro so they got some time with media trainers and um social media trainers and you know uh, just uh, time with us uh, at feld and time with the ama just to prepare them before they go into the ranks because it's a whole different ball game out here you know from from what it is at the amateur ranks and um you know so it can be somewhat shocking when they when they come in and uh, to help alleviate some of that and and um you know that's really what the the futures platform was designed for all right mike this is busy day we got a lot going on you do too tomorrow's a big one too um so we'll wrap this up thanks for giving us some time we'll do this a lot more i think now that we get people to to hear about what's going on and you guys have so much more to come in these next few years this is a conversation that will keep going on um to wrap it up give me what's one thing you're super proud of that you've been able to help make possible every Saturday night here? Yeah, I I mean, uh, one thing I would say is um, we've gotten a lot of good feedback on track, so, you know, that's exciting. I I guess it's more than one thing, but the Futures program, um, you know, we're pretty proud of that. And uh, just overall what you had mentioned before about the open, the more open communication, I think, um, you know, all of those things uh, I'm proud of on behalf of the sport, not just myself, you know, so. Is this a thing that if you were uh, stapling track banners up a few years ago, thought you would be making these decisions? No, no, no I knew I wanted to be, but I uh, didn't know that I would be. Did you get a business degree to go along with this, or is uh, this all like... Yeah, so actually when I first started, I was going to school at Slippery Rock um, for international business, and um, the the banner supply company was right up the road. So I'd go to school Monday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I was pretty creative with my class structure and uh, I'd fly out on Thursdays and come back on Sundays and then back in school Monday through Wednesday so um, this was always the goal I like it It, you have a good story just like anybody else is here if you want to be part of this industry you have to hustle and make your mark you can't just show up and be like here's my resume and think that somebody's going to give you a job yep 100% all right cool hey thanks Mike this was a great conversation cool thank you